Welcome back to another episode of Tog and Log. This is episode number two. We'll be getting into some Kodak price increases in 2022 and what to expect in those cases and why they're increasing and maybe come in with our own thoughts and ideas. And Kodak is also bringing something new to the film community, which comes to a little shocker for me personally, which is their disposable camera. But in this case, they're going to be introducing Kodak 400 Tri-X as a disposable camera. So we'll be getting to that conversation as well, too, and a little bit more about Kodak 400 Tri-X in general. But without a doubt, let's just dive right into these Kodak film prices that we're soon to expect in 2022. So... We've been seeing some news and information flying around, I think, within the past month or so. I've been a little bit in the dark about it, but a couple of my local friends have asked me recently if I've been stocking up on some Kodak film. And for the most part, I've been telling them, no, I haven't, because I have quite a bit of film stocked in my uh, freezer still in my refrigerator, you know, some expired film, not so much new stock of film. And I've been asking the question, why? And for the most part, they're like, dude, you don't know if Kodak film prices are going to go up crazy again next year. And I'm like, eh, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Kodak prices have been going up for the past five years at least, if not even longer. But not to my surprise that, you know, the prices are going up again. But doing a little bit more research recently, I've been finding out that, you know, the average rough estimate of these increases is going to be roughly 20%. And I think that's going to be a lot considering it's already had that price increase almost about 20% last year as well too. So in a matter of two years during this pandemic or around this pandemic, the prices of film has just been going up a lot more. And it is getting a little scary in my personal opinion, seeing that film is going up this much in price. And, you know, there's a few reasons why I think, and like I said, we'll get into it in a couple seconds. But yeah, as far as I remember, you know, when I was traveling overseas, film prices for me and even prior to traveling overseas, so we're talking about five to seven years ago now, that on average film was about, I don't know, four or $5 a roll of film. So yeah, in, in the past, you know, two, three years or so, I've been seeing those prices go up to 10 to maybe $12. And that's mostly ectochrome slide film and a few other color stock films. So it's been you know, not to my surprise, I've been seeing that, but just to see how it's going up again for another 20%. And particularly, I think Portra 400 is going to go up 24%. It's kind of scary for some of the film community members to see, you know, this uh, this film stock being up in, in this kind of price. So rough estimate, give or take, how's that percentages go into actual dollar amounts? Well, I think as of now or coming into 2022, be sh you're going to expect to see, I think, 80 to $85 by the time you factor in taxes and shipping costs for five rolls of film. And it's, it's a lot considering those are five rolls of film that you're going to be paying for $85. Now, you can pay, you know, in a single roll factor as well, too, but give or take, I almost think that's close to, I'm, I'm doing like quick numbers in my head. That's going to be about $15 to $17 a roll by the time you're done if you're going to do every single roll of film. So, And this is not even considering the price that you may have to factor in when it comes to developing and scanning because if you're new to photography or you're not, depending on your style of, of photography or your medium of choice, you, know, you may throw in that option of having the lab actually go ahead and develop and scan your film. 
And usually labs, when they develop and scan, uh, gosh, I think that could be anywhere from 10 to $20, depending on what it is. And I can be a little bit on the conservative side with that. But on average, just to develop, you can expect about $10 per roll of film. So yeah, it's a lot to consider. You know, you're almost dropping a hundred bucks, give or take a little bit more, probably $110, let's just say to be safe when you're buying five rolls of film and justifying for the cost of developing and scanning. So it's a lot. And if you kind of put that into how much it costs per a shot, it really comes down to, you know, the type of medium or the, the factor, if you're going to go with 35 millimeter or 120, but I think it comes down to almost a buck 50 to $2 a shot, which is kind of surprising as well too, considering, you know, five to seven years ago when I was factoring my own cost of film and down to the shot itself, large format film four by five for me was, uh, you know, it was, it was almost a dollar a shot, or if I can find it expired or by the bulk itself, it can be a lot lower where maybe it could have been like 50 cents a shot. And this is not factoring the developing and, uh, and, and scanning, but yeah, it was just a lot cheaper that way. And that was almost one of the reasons why I never got into Polaroid film because just the cost of Polaroids per shot was about a dollar or more per Polaroid. So, you know, I've always gravitated towards large format when it came to higher resolution and just having that dynamic range and having that negative with me if I ever wanted to reuse it again in the future. So seeing this now coming into 2022, how prices are just going up, I'm going to probably be a little bit more conservative as far as color film in general. I mean, in general, I don't usually shoot too much color, but if I shoot certain clients and they want to go with film and they want color film or if they just want color itself, then, you know, I just have to consider those prices and factor that into the price that I charge for my clients. So, but besides that, for other projects I typically do or for my main bread and butter that I usually like to advertise myself as, I kind of stick into black and white. And I believe Tri-X and T-Max film is going to go up in price considering I usually go with, you know, T-Max 100 or 400. That's usually my personal taste of film that I use. But you do have Tri-X 400, T-Max 3200 um, as those other couple options as well too. And those has always been the staple like that for Kodak film. It's always been, you know, the T-Max, the Tri-X, and the Portra line. You know, most companies as far as Kodak, Fuji, Lomography, and Ilford, each of them have its own staple, their own look, their own type of film that just represents them. And in the and for the most part, you know, how things are just been rolling out these past couple of years, certain companies have been definitely taking a hit and a sacrifice on the type of options that you can get for film stocks. So, you know, as of recent years, Fujifilm has gotten rid of their 400H color film, and that has been a very very popular film for Fujifilm when it comes to color film. And, you know, it just almost comes down to Lomography as its color film of choice or even Kodak Portra. And you have to keep in mind, most wedding photographers, they either go with Portra or, or Fujifilm for color film 400H. And usually as far as I recall or what I usually see online, seems to be like 400H is more of the favorable film for a wedding. But without a doubt, now that it's actually gone because of environmental purposes, if I'm even like saying that properly, but because of that, you know, really the the main option that you can go to next is Kodak and Kodak Portra is that next 
professional high quality of film that you can use for weddings or other professional gigs or projects or just shoots in general. Lermography is kind of on the fence depending on, you know, your taste or what clients may or may not like. So, but the prices of that do reflect besides portrait itself. So yeah, it's kind of interesting how things are just kind of escalating in these past years as far as prices go and the supply and demands and how the pandemic is throwing a wrench into a lot of this. But without a doubt, in some cases, it's also a good thing to see how prices are increasing because it does give other options for the company to flourish in their research and developments and probably making new machines and maybe hopefully train new people because, you know, in the film industry itself, it is um, a dying art, so to speak. If you kind of look at it, how things are, we don't really see many companies producing film cameras anymore, very far and few. Fuji being one of them, but there's just a lot of cameras out there, for example, that are just 10, 15, 20, 30 years old. And, you know, the the resources for those cameras are just becoming more and more scarce. And then you have to also consider the fact of, you know, technicians and people that are specialized towards repairing these cameras and bringing them back to life into working conditions are becoming, you know, older and the the information, the tradition is not necessarily being passed down so easily because those are just certain information and resources that are just not so accessible or so interested, so to speak. But all in all, you know, because of these certain things, you know, film prices are going up, but also film cameras are going up as well too. But just because of just social media and the way that, you know, things are just being addressed and shown. You know, there's just been more and more demands of film photography and something that people just want to try, especially with this newer generation where they haven't really experienced film photography at all and they just want to give it a shot. And, you know, these are just some of those reasons why just that trend or that look is just uh, making things a little bit more easy for hopefully companies to find new ways of building new machines again, train new people, and hopefully find new materials to keep up with the demands of film stocks. So without a doubt, it's been getting harder and harder to see. And I've been seeing it in person with some of my local film labs where, or even online in general, or just certain popular film stocks are just no longer, you know, on the shelves or they're just on back order in that case. And I just feel like, you know, with the rise in demand of all these things that are happening, of course, you know, companies can't keep up with the demand. And this is also one of those reasons why the prices are going up. So there's just a lot of things that are going on in the mix when it comes to, you know, the increase in demands, the decreases of options, as we can see with certain film stocks, and also just with the less options and resources to produce film in general, because, you know, these machines are not new. So, and as far as I recall too, there's a couple of resources I do know that, you know, prices back then since God knows, so like maybe 2015 to 2018, you know, the prices of film were so low that it couldn't actually support anything more than just the baseline cost of just producing film. So price increases, it's a good sign to some extent, but yes, as a consumer's sake, it's not maybe the best of the best idea because for someone like myself, you know, when I used to buy bulks of film where it was like five to six dollars a roll, I was having fun with it. So I was, you know, having a big smile on my face, being able to buy so much film, experiment and play arounds. But, you know, now how things are just going up in price, maybe I'll may slow down just a little bit, but I still have a lot more film in the freezer and fridge that I would rather use up first before I start buying new stocks of film. 
I just don't want to lose out on the expired film that I have, especially the the rare stuff that, you know, Kodak doesn't produce anymore. In particular, you know, the Tri-X 320 is one of my favorite, favorite stocks of film, which, which is nothing really similar to Tri-X 400 film. But I'm just getting off in a little tangent here. But it's it's a good thing that, you know, how things are just kind of progressing and evolving into more people in a newer generation wanting to gravitate towards trying out film and hopefully using more film and other projects and and as they're like their side hustle or, or something to that extent. But it's, it's been something that's interesting, too, because I've been seeing some local magazines and, and just magazines online that have been wanting to push the idea of having photographers or artists use film and just been using and exposing it back into these printable magazines, so to speak. And uh, and yeah, it's it's just nice to see. So, you know, with, with the demographics and how things are just moving along for sure, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why Kodak got into uh, developing their 400 Tri-X disposable film, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But for the most part, I'm just rather surprised that, you know, you know, the prices are going up. And I think, you know, one of those other things that we can talk about, too, is just the fact that maybe Kodak is just wanting to brand themselves as a luxury brand. You know, well, I was just just explaining moments ago how a lot of film companies are digressing with film and producing film to some extent you know Fuji film for example they they've been wanting to simulate their film looks now onto their digital platform and with their digital cameras you know if anyone that has any Fuji film camera from I don't know how many years ago it's been you know again maybe like five years ago they've been simulating their their filters and their profiles to Acros 100 and some of their slide films as well too like one of the popular ones that I used to like as well I haven't got a chance to really explore with it but it's you know it's discontinuous Stia 100 film was a very natural looking film that was perfect for portraits but you know a lot of companies are you know starting to change things up a little bit and we're just not getting as many options as possible as far as film stocks so I think Kodak being one of the predominant film companies to this date, even though they don't have a good track history of their past being bankrupt, I don't know how many times already, but I think they're still trying to push and make themselves more of a luxury brand, kind of similar to Leica being one of those predominant luxury brand cameras. You know, you can always see Leica cameras being in the prices of 2000 to eight thousand dollars for their bodies and their lenses could be anywhere from two thousand to seven thousand dollars depending on the type of lens that you get so it's it's more of a luxury factor and i just think kodak is just going along those lines as well too but i think the way that kodak has been seeing things lately is the fact that there's not probably so many people that are exclusively shooting on film and particularly maybe portrait film or tri-x anything along that nature i think there's very far and few people including myself that shoot exclusively on film. Granted for me, you know, for example, I do own still a digital camera. I still have it on the side because there's still clients that just want something done really, really quickly, or they just want to have a video shot, or they just want to have a combination of the two, maybe for their social media platform or certain project or a commercial where using film is just not reasonable whatsoever. The prices don't reflect to what they really want. The look, they're not going to tell really the difference between film and digital. So you know, for me, myself personally, I'd still have something digital on the side for those cases, but I still try to, you know, shoot exclusively for the most part, seeing how Kodak is and what they're trying to push, at least for me personally, seeing, you know, how the new generation is evolving and how everyone is not necessarily wanting to shoot film all the time. 
and they're trying to maybe be realistic in the fact that people are not going to be using it on a consistent basis and they're using it more on a specific project or a couple projects or as a side hustle kind of a thing or just as a status brand. So I can see how they're pushing the prices up, not only maybe for research and development and bringing new people and equipment into their company to keep the production live and running and have a certain profit as well too because they are a company at the end of the day. But definitely they're trying to see how they can find a way to just get more people to appreciate the brand and the film itself. I don't think Portra has ever sacrificed in their quality of their look in itself in particular. And same thing with Kodak, T-Max, and 400 Film. So I think they're just trying to gravitate and push that status symbol as far as what Kodak is with their film and their quality control. Besides the backing issues that they had a handful of times. I don't know how many years ago. I forgot about that. That wasn't fun whatsoever. But besides that, I think they're really trying to be something of Leica in the film stock industry, if that makes any sense. But yeah, you know, with with the rise of film prices, it makes me kind of question myself if there's going to be other film stocks that are going to please you know, the audience, the the consumers who may still want to shoot film, but they don't want to spend $10, $15, $20 on a roll of film. And I think what Kodak is also trying to do, and I didn't see it in some of the paperwork um, online from what I've researched, is the fact that they still have their consumer-friendly films. And that is their Color Plus film, Image Pro, which tends to be something that you'll see internationally, the Kodak Golds and Ultramax film. These are the type of films that are what you would typically see in a point-and-shoot camera or something in a disposable camera. But these are roles of film that you know gets people somewhat interested or wanting to be curious to see how film is. And once they really like how it looks, maybe then they will gravitate and jump into the Portra or the T-Max or Tri-X type of film. That's kind of my idea. But I think with these films here that I've talked about already, the Color Plus, the Image Pro, the Gold Line, the Series, and the Ultramax, I think they're not going to adjust the prices of those film. I think they're going to become like the new five, six dollar type of film that you're going to have to pay as opposed to the Portra film that what it used to be is the price, you know, five, six, seven years ago. But this is kind of where they're shifting their their marketing and their brand in general. So I think it's still kind of reasonable for what it is for people that just want to try out film or just to play around in general. But I think this is something that's going to keep some people interested as far as just wanting to shoot film. So sadly enough, there's not really any quote unquote cheaper or less quality black and white film um, that I just listed because all these rolls of film stocks that I named are all color film. Granted, you can change it in post if you really want to, but sometimes it's just not really the way that I would like to go. But anyways, yeah, I think, you know, besides that, you know, Lomography, for example, was that type of company would, it would be another option to, to buy some cheaper film if you really want to and still explore and, and have fun with. But I think they're also raising the prices a little bit. I think for the most part, when I checked it up here nor there, it was, you know, in the 10, $8 to $10 range. And I felt like that was still too expensive for for Lomo film, you know, film that is either rebadged, reprocessed, or or changed up just a little bit, just to have that fun or that exploration. Because I personally tend to like to stick to maybe five rolls of film stocks and play around with it a little bit differently. 
and maybe explore different ways of exposing and developing it just so it's somewhat similar depending on how I shoot the film. But besides that, I don't really go out and explore too much with these other, not unknown, but un unfamiliar film stocks that don't really represent the style or the way that I shoot um, in general. So yeah, it's it's just interesting how Lomography is going up a little bit, but I haven't really spoken about Kodak or I haven't really talked about Ilford film though, but they are black and white film for the most part. Yep. I don't think there is really anything that's color. As far as I recall, there've been always like black and white films. I don't know why I'm even trying to think about it, but uh, they're, they're also going up in price a little bit too. I think it's been like six, $7, give or take for HP five plus and their FP four plus film as well too. I think their Delta 400 and 100 films are also really going up in price as well. They're in comparison to the T-Max 100 and 400 type of film. I never really got into those type of films. Sometimes I would. I think I have like an 8x10 Delta 100 film that I bought expire. And I've been enjoying that. But besides that, I've been usually, you know, sticking to Kodak film. But at least those are just like other options to explore if you really want to. Granted, I've heard of, but I haven't really researched or explored how people are actually trying to make their own film. And I honestly do not know the process of that, but you definitely need specific machines and materials to do something like that. But it would be really, really awesome to find a way to make your own film. I think it's it's a, it's a process in itself, but I think it would be something to try once just to say, hey, I tried it and it's off my uh, my wish list there. So, But I think other people are going to find a way to produce film on their own so they can accommodate for people that do not want to spend $10 or more on a roll of film. I definitely want to be one of the first people to support those who are going to try to make new film and, and you know accommodate for people that don't want to spend that kind of money. Because it's going to come to a point that once all my film is out of that fridge and freezer, once it's all used, it's uh, I'm going to relook into uh, film photography and see how things uh, roll out there. I'm going to give myself a self-reality check because, uh, you know, I don't know how things are going to be in the next five, 10 years when it comes to photography, but it's definitely going to be a factor in itself once all that film is gone. And I'm going to see how things are kind of rolled out from there and how prices are and how people are so interested or not with film photography and if resources are still accessible like chemistry and whatnot to uh, still develop film if you if if I want to continue that process and even print as well too so yeah it's it's a interesting uh, topic for sure as far as you know the prices going up and how people are trying to accommodate and, and adjust to the new pricing because it is a pretty steep price like I mentioned, from you know five seven dollars a roll to possibly fifteen to twenty dollars a roll of film, so it's uh, it's 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 a lot considering that in itself, which makes me want to uh, question the fact that if prices will ever go down with film, and I don't know, I mean it's like one of those things that maybe may happen in the future, but this the way how social media is hyping up film for these past couple years and how prices are going up in general, it is like I said a good sign, but. I don't think prices will really ever go down, down, down because the introduction to digital photography and digital cameras have shot the film market as a whole. When that happens, I don't know, 2004-ish, I think maybe 2000 to be safe because maybe there could have been some technology already arised from there. But I think just as a whole around 2004 was that market where things just shifted 
And I don't think film photography will ever be the same in that case. But yeah, I just don't think film prices will ever come down because if companies are, let's just say, uh, losing out stock of film options there for you and they're not producing as much, I don't think things are going to ever really shift in that in that nature as far as price adjustments like gas. You know, gas prices go up and down, but that's something that people still use every single day for the past couple decades. So yeah. Don't see that happening for film. I mean, I would love that to happen, but if there's, you know, a new company arises or they're producing film at a lower cost and the demand for that is a lot better, then I would think maybe Kodak and Ilford will, they will bring down their prices just a little bit, but not that much. I think the demand still for film is always going to be there. And I just don't see that, that chance of happening because I know people have asked that question when we're having those, uh, topics and those slight little debates uh, in person in the past week or so. But yeah, with all that being said, I think the part that got me most surprised was the recent videos and conversations and posts that people were sharing how Kodak is releasing Tri-X 400 film in a disposable camera. And I just like, so many thoughts ran through my mind when I saw that. I'm like, why? Why 400 Tri-X in disposable film? Why now? Like, why haven't they done it before in the past? And, you know, this is such a an awesome film and all of a sudden now they want to put it in a disposable camera. You know, this is like, this is insane. This is crazy. Why are they going to be doing something like this? And, you know, I, I took a, a good couple minutes or well more than a couple minutes uh, and a couple hours, let's just say, to dissect and think of you know why would a company do something like this bring a a piece of technology that has always been around but it's not the best of the best technology up to this point you know in 2022 coming up in a couple weeks and why would they bring in their popular film stock or has always been a popular film stock if if you may or may not know a lot of the journalists and street photographers would use 400 speed film 400 trix film because it was so versatile and you know it's just very easy to use in so many situations and bright sun or or dim lighting and and all that fun stuff but it's like wow this is kind of crazy that all of a sudden now with their research and development they ended up wanting to put 400 Tri-X into disposable camera and yeah I mean 400 Tri-X has just all that history I suppose you know the fact of you know film has just been around for so long and this has been one of their staple films for the longest time like I said they always had different versions of Tri-X film like I mentioned 320 was always been my favorite film mostly for studio but also in broad daylight as well too but 400 speed film is has been a been a nice choice that you know, I guess it's it's an easy answer to, to put into a disposable camera because if they're going to keep up with the trends or they're going to accommodate for the newer generation or anyone that just wants to get into photography without really needing to learn the simple or, or advanced techniques of using a film camera, then I guess a disposable camera makes a lot of sense. And if they could just combine the two... So it's just an easy sense of purchase and convenience to enjoy the film stock for what it is. Then by all means, I think this is one of their reasons why they would do something like this. But it's it's interesting because, uh, you know, I think coming out of a disposable camera, the lens that they use for that camera is not always the best of the best. And I think I would like to 
produce a video where I would compare a 35 millimeter point and shoot camera to a disposable camera using the same film, which in this case would be Tri-X 400 film and just show and, th and then just show the comparison of the two. And I would imagine, I mean, I kind of already know the answer, but I just want to show it in person or show it, you know, on screen to others where, and I, it's, it's kind of interesting and I don't know if it's going to make much sense or not, but I feel like using a disposable camera the properties and the characteristics of the film shine much more than I would say with the film point and shoot camera because the lens is not the best, if that makes much sense. I know I was looking at a couple of videos so far where some of the photographers or content creators that got early access to the 400 Tri-X disposable camera and some of the shots I've seen so far, I mean, it's, I, I know what Tri-X looks like, but just the way that it looks through a disposable camera kind of gave me like this weird aha epiphany moment where it's like, man, you actually see the, the film more for what it is. And I think it's just really interesting to see something like that from a, a disposable camera where you're already taking the elements of color away. You're already taking elements of, you know, aperture and shutter speed away from you as well, too, because you don't have that control in a disposable camera. And you're also taking away the lens as well, too, because a lens can be a certain characteristic that can add on to your final image. So taking all those things away, you pretty much have an advanced pinhole camera with a flash if you end up wanting to use it, but you're just only using a certain film stock and I feel like the film stock shines that much more because you're taking all those elements away. So I found it rather interesting. And like I said, I want to do a comparison video on this just to see if, you know, my thoughts kind of match up to what I really think. Because if you bring in a, a point and shoot camera or a Leica camera with a specific lens that is a high performance kind of a lens, that's super sharp, modern type, and gives you the shallow depth of field and you can control your shutter speed, I just think it's going to give a different feeling and presence towards your photo. And that can actually help you depending on how you want to have your final image come out. So yeah, I'm just really curious though what the prices are going to be. I didn't look it up. I didn't really play around and see how things are going to play out. But I think knowing how Kodak may go or the way that prices are going to go up, this is going to be one of their weird, oddly premium disposable cameras that you're able to purchase just so you can just take some pictures with this film stock to see how things go. And I could see so many different avenues as far as people playing around with it in terms of just, you know, personal life and just the enjoyment of just taking pictures out of a disposable camera to people actually producing different projects or galleries where they're just going to be using only disposable cameras, which I did see that recently in Wynwood with one of my local friends from their uh, lab, if you uh, may or may not know them. Um, they're called Thacker's Film Lab. Um, very good people, Mike and Mel. But we went down and <laughs> we saw one of their friends uh, showcase a gallery with their disposable camera and their images, which was really cool. So I can see more of that stuff, for example, just from straight Kodak Tri-X 400 film. I think that would be really cool. And, you know, just the way that disposable cameras have always been, you know, they're plasticky, they're fun. You don't have to worry about how things kind of roll out and, you know, you can throw it around and not worry about like the cost or if it kind of breaks. But yeah, it's, it's just an interesting take on them actually putting one of their staple films into a disposable camera. Because all we ever knew was basically like Color Plus or Kodak uh, Gold 800 film. 
and probably like Ultra Max as well too. They always had those type of films and, and disposable cameras. I think actually what would be cool, because I'm just thinking about this right now, is the fact that if they have Tri-X 400 film and an underwater disposable camera, because they do have underwater disposable cameras. So I really hope maybe they do something like that, because that would be an interesting project just to dive into and explore as well, explore as well too. So you never know. You never know. So, but yeah, I mean... This is an interesting approach and I don't think it's going to make like a huge wave in terms of sales go or, or popularity, maybe, maybe popularity in the sense of like something that may be trending online on good old Instagram and and anywhere else. But um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting the way that they just put this together and it makes me wonder and I wouldn't even be surprised, but if you're going to put 400 Tri-X film and disposal camera I would not be surprised if they do Portra 400 or even 800 in a disposable camera. Granted, like I said, they already have Kodak Gold 800, but if you're going to go and push 400 Tri-X into this thing, might as well put Portra 400 or 800 into this darn thing and start producing some sales from that too. But I just don't think maybe you know, in general, disposable cameras are the way to go. It's just much more material and, and cost that's being put into play for, to make these things. And I think some of that can just be put back into just film itself or, or canisters because uh, that was even another surprising thing when I visited uh, Mike in his film lab where Kodak is, uh, with their 35 millimeter, they have silver caps now. And I'm like, wow, this is something that's new. I haven't seen this in a while because I don't really purchase so much uh, 35 millimeter film or color film in that nature but um yeah they have silver caps and i think that's just uh either a cost thing or a material issue that they're uh, trying to address now and uh yeah i just think maybe the investments of disposable cameras in my opinion is not really the way to go maybe they should find other ways to maybe produce better caps or or capsules or whatever you want to call it for these 35 millimeter uh, films and uh, maybe produce other things or bring back other film, you know, other tri X three twenty or bring back other film too, like Panatomic X. I mean, that's an old, old film stock and it's not easy to find. And it's super expensive expired online as well too on eBay. So I have a couple of those rolls sitting in my freezer for special, special projects, but just the way that it looks my God, if they brought that back and if it was $20 a roll or $25 a roll, by all means, I'll still pick up a couple of those rolls because just the look of it and the characteristics of that is a lot better, in my opinion, for certain situations. But that's like another topic for another day. So the one thing I want to jump back into before we close this podcast, this episode is um, with the 400 Tri-X disposable film, you do get 27 exposures out of this camera. And uh, yeah, and if you have not used 400 Tri-X film, it is a very, very good film stock to use. It's very beautiful grain in general. Uh, I really love how it just pops up in the in the image. And in terms of popping up, like it's distinct, it's there, but it's not too overpowering, if that makes any sense. But compared to like Kodak T-Max film, it's kind of more hidden in the back. It's, it's not shown in the forefront, but with Tri-X film, you do see film grain for sure, but it kind of blends into the image. So you have that comparison where you, you see it, it's not overpowering, but you know it's there. It gives a certain look, a texture, a feel to it, which is really, really nice. 
And like I said, grain itself is very, very subjective, but I think Tri-X film grain is very, very beautiful. And it also depends on how you develop it. But at box speed, it it's it's really, really nice. And the way that it prints in the darkroom as well, too, the tones come out a little bit different than you would possibly when you scan it. But um, those grays, those deeper grays are I don't know, a little bit more muddy, if that's the way I would describe it. Maybe the dynamic range, it is there, but it's not... As much, I would say, maybe to like HP5 or or T-Max film. So it has like that distinct look. It's not necessarily gritty, but it's very a soft grit to it. It just has a personality that I would just say, if you haven't tried Tri-X film, 400 speed film, I would definitely, definitely try it. But yeah, there you go, guys. That's episode number two on the Tog and Log podcast. So I was trying to figure out what to uh, talk about or address if I really wanted to go, you know, continuation to episode number one. But with these two things that, that kind of came up out of nowhere, I just definitely wanted to talk about this, address about this, and uh, see how things go. But yeah, prices are going up in 2022. I know it's a good sign for the companies, you know, for research and development. I know it's not a good thing for our own pockets, but for the sake of supporting the company, I've always loved Kodak. I always loved their film. 80% of my shots are usually from Kodak. I, I'm, I'm kind of like drawing a number, but for the most part, I shoot a lot of Kodak film. So I love them as a company. And yeah, I'm always going to shoot Kodak film for the most part, even if prices go up, especially more for black and white than color. But uh, yeah. There you go, guys. Thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned for episode number three. And yeah, I'm going to see for now, just thinking out loud, um, just so you guys are aware. I think for now I might do like an episode a month and then draw down to maybe an episode a week, but we'll see how things go. I'm trying to think of ideas and ways to actually come up with certain topics and things to talk about with our good old podcast. So if you have any questions, concerns, or thoughts, or opinions, by any means, you can reach out to me at toginlog at gmail.com. Um, you can also reach out to me to dk at dkimg.com as well too. And then you can reach out to me through our social media handles, either at toginlog on Instagram or at dkimg on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Once again, thanks for listening and until next time.